What a great series. I've been enjoying myself anyway. Anybody been enjoying this series of honour? Oh, come on. Anybody been enjoying this series of honour? It's been really, really great. And I'll come to that in a moment. Just some conversations that I picked up. But here's, here's, a, here's a story for you. There was a doctor. There was a lawyer. There was a little boy and a priest. And they were out for a Sunday afternoon flight on a small private plane. But suddenly the plane developed engine trouble. And in spite of the best efforts of the pilot, the plane started to go down. Finally, the pilot grabbed a parachute, yelled to the passengers that they had better jump, and then he bailed out. Unfortunately, there were only three parachutes remaining. The doctor grabbed one and said, I'm a doctor, I save lives, so I must live, and he jumped out. The lawyer then said, I'm a lawyer, and lawyers are the smartest people in the world. I deserve to live. He also grabbed a parachute and jumped. The priest looked at the little boy and said, my son, I've lived a long and full life. You are young and have your whole life ahead of you. Take the last parachute and live in peace. The little boy handed the parachute back to the priest and said, not to worry, father. The smartest man in the world just took off with my rucksack. (laughs) Got it? We're talking about honour. And it's been a bit of a journey these last four weeks that we've been on because we've been talking about what we need to honour, what is honour. And last week I had the joy of just sitting around a dining room table with Lisa and just talking about how honour plays out in our lives, in our relationships. And this morning what I want to do, by God's grace, is just really seal off and close off this series that has truly, in my mind, stimulated so much conversation and so much thought around the life of the church, I never expected that to be the case. I think it's drove very deep in every one of our hearts. I really believe that it's not necessarily scratched where we've been itching, but it's certainly irritated us for some. For others, it's been a great source of challenge and for others, encouragement. And this morning, what I want to do is look at how we can actually practice, build a lifestyle of honor. How we can actually build this lifestyle into our lives so it doesn't just become a moment of honor, it becomes a lifestyle of honor. I've come across people who have done generous acts, but they are not a generous soul. At times it's easy or easier To actually, in a moment, to be generous, but it's more difficult to live out a life of continual generosity. And this is the same with honour. You can open a door for somebody because you're having a good day, and you say, yes, there you go, my dear. You go on through the door, but what if you're not having a bad day? Are you going to still open that door? Are you still going to practice honour to that husband and that wife when things aren't going as good in your marriage? And this is what we talk about. How do we actually build a lifestyle of honour? By by the way, are you still going to honour leadership here when things aren't going how you think they should go? And this is what we're talking about, building it into our lives. The key phrase I think that has run through this series has been honour is a significant key to unlocking the power of the kingdom. 
It has been really good to see how people have, as I said, really grappling with this series and working out. And in fact, somebody was telling me a story only last week of how this has changed their driving. They have driven with more courtesy and kindness than ever before. Instead of calling somebody a prat and an idiot and all the rest of it, there's been an honour. You're all looking like shocked at me now, as though you never taught or never drive like that. Don't all give me all that baloney. Those who drive, we know you get worked up at times. But they drove with more courtesy and kindness towards bad driving. Even though they were in the wrong, they honoured the driver. It's interesting how it works out and how it works out in different hearts and lives. But I just want to really lay in what are we meant to honour. There's three things that I want to just talk about and they're all personal. They're all people related. Who are we meant to honour? If you're taking notes or if you're not taking notes, I'd encourage you to take notes because I really believe these will help you. I'm going to whiz through them. But these will be helpful in you really just establishing where this honour needs to lie. The first thing to say is this. We are meant to honour one another. We are meant to honour one another. Nudge the person next to you and say, I'm called to honour you. And nudge the second choice on the other side and say, I'm called and commissioned and commanded to honour you. He says in Romans 12 verse 10, be devoted to one another in love and honour one another above yourselves. I don't want to jump ahead, but I I just need to make this this comment. This is counterculture to what you have been taught in schools, how many of you have been raised by what you see on the media, by what you read in books. We are called church, we are called people to honour one another. The second thing is, we are called to honour those in authority. Romans 13 verse 1 reads like this. Let everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone. So is there any exceptions here? Because it's everyone. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. When we're tempted to shout on the television screen because we think that guy's a jerk, a burk, an idiot. I'm talking to myself now. They're authorities. That God has placed over us. So I'm not interested whether you like Jeremy Corbyn or whether you like Theresa May. I have no interest. We're called to honour them. If you're anti-royal or pro-royal, it's irrelevant. The fact is we've been given a royal family and the Bible commands us, commands us to honour those in authority. Selah. The third thing and group that we're called to honour is honour those with authority in the church. Hebrews 13 verse 17 reads, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. 
For that would be of no benefit to you. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. I have heard some awful stories in my time of being in pastoral ministry of churches who have been dishonoring of their leaders. I've heard of churches that have literally starved the pastor. This is many, many years ago. And his family and his children because they didn't like him. And how did they starve it? By not putting money, their tithe, into the offering. And if they could withdraw it back, then it's they're in a position where the pastor cannot afford to live. That is so dishonoring. And many of those churches are around the area. I have to say they operate under a curse. And God has brought judgment on some of those churches. Because many of them aren't existing now. This is very strong language, but this is the reality. We are called to honor one another. We are called to honor those who are governing in, our, in, in, in authority and in government. And we are called to honor those in the church. Who God has set and established over the church. This is what the message reads around this verse. Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and they work under the strict supervision of God. Contribute to their joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? If I can appeal to you, some people in times over the 16 years that I've been here, They've actually intentionally tried to make things harder for me. Why would you make things harder for me? Why would you make things harder for us? We're just trying to do our very, very best under strict supervision of God. I'm not talking about if we start to live immoral lives or lives of lack of integrity. You have every reason to challenge us. But if we make a decision that is contrary to what you'd go, you have to flow along with it. That is called authority. When I was in, um, with, living at home with my mum and dad, there were decisions that they make. I didn't agree with them. But was I going to turn around and say, I'm not going to do this? Of course I wasn't. The Bible tells me, teenagers, it talks about honouring your mum and your dad. And by the way, that doesn't stop when you come out of their, under their shadow or under their care. That still applies today. So I may have a bit of banter with my mum and dad at times, particularly my mum. But I do know that when she says something, then that means for me to honour them. So why don't we honour? Why don't we honour? So there's three areas, people focus that we should honour. So why don't we honour? This is where I really want to delve and, and just, if I can, just dig a little bit in your heart and in my heart. I had to search why at times have I not wanted to honour. Here's four reasons that I found. First of all, we won't humble ourselves. We just will not humble ourselves. James 4 verse 10 says this. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. By the way, if you won't humble yourself, God will humble you. But actually the way he wants you to do is you will humble yourselves. We're not talking about I'm rubbish, I'm pathetic, I'm an idiot, I'm stupid, I'm thick, I'm all those kind of comments that people make about themselves. That is not talking about humble themselves. It's not thinking of yourself, you know, that you're less than you are. It's actually recognizing that God is in control of your life. That you want to place yourself under God's authority over your life. You want to live according to the Bible, his authoritative word over your life. And you're going to live according to this word. And that means that you will honor one another that means you will honor the governing authorities that means you will govern uh, honor those who have been given authority in the church that's called honoring yourself humbling yourself sorry 
But many people have this attitude, well, I'm as good as them. I have a gift, and my gift is more superior than yours. We're having a conversation with Lisa on the back of our last um, message that we had last week, and she just made this statement. You see, gift never supersedes God's designated authority. Every time I've had trouble with people in terms of whether it's been business or whether it's been uh, the church, where I've had trouble like this is when I've come across people who think that they're more gifted than me, and they probably are. The point is this. They haven't been given the authority that I've been given. And I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. God gave it to me. And there have been many, many people, I think back to my days in Milton Keynes, as a 22, 23-year-old, I was the youngest elder that was ever appointed to that point in that church. The pastor had said to me, this will cause a lot of issues because there's other men who think that they should be elders. And there was one particular man who'd been a pastor for many, many years. He'd, he, unfortunately, he'd, he, there was some failure around his life and he'd come into the church and uh, he, he was sat amongst us, very gifted, very capable. And in the natural, probably more gifted and more capable, more experienced, knew more of the Bible. But listen, he hadn't been given authority. I had. But as a 22, 23-year-old, I was intimidated by him. Because I actually thought his gift actually did, Lisa, was greater than my authority. I had to quickly realize over that two-year journey, the issue wasn't with me. The issue was with him. And by the way, this man didn't stay the journey of the church. We have to humble ourselves. If you're in a position where you're working in a marketplace and you're working for a manager who you don't think is more, you're more capable than him, you're better than him, you're more experienced than him, just suck it up. You've just got to get on with it. The fact is they've been given authority over you. And if you don't like it, leave right. Don't live in a, leave in a blaze of glory. Leave correctly. Leave right. Second thing is, and these are all, these have all come out of personal pain, so you can hear it. These aren't just textbook. These are the reasons why we don't honor. We won't humble ourselves. Secondly, we don't like or agree with the people we are placed under. Well, I don't like such and such, so why should I submit to them? It's not about whether you like them. It's whether God has given them authority. In the marketplace, in the government, or in the church. You may say, well, I don't like my husband at this moment. It's irrelevant. I'm sorry, ladies, and why? And, and husbands, well, I've, I'm falling out of love with my wife. It's not a, not a good enough answer. It's not a good enough answer. The illustration that I use as I was studying this, a theologian wrote this, remember your saviour, savior, Jesus, suffered under Pontius Pilate, one of the world, worst Roman governors Judea ever had, and Paul under Nero, the worst Roman emperor And neither our Lord nor his apostle denied or revealed, reviled the authority. If we don't like them, if we don't agree with them, we are placed under them. And we are called to honor them. Thirdly, oh, this has been a real big one for me. I've had to work this through over many, many years. And and I'm glad to be the other side. And and really, I really am the other side. We can't bear for others to be blessed, elevated more than we are. We live with entitlement. We think we have divinely right to be blessed of God. Listen, we live under the favor of God. We are blessed. But there are moments where God elevates others and for whatever reason, he doesn't elevate others. We have to just get along with it and just keep doing what we're doing before the Lord. I've announced this morning, I'll just 
mention it. Well, I could do a better job than Julie. You may well be able to do. I can do a better job than, than Lisa. You may be able to. But the fact is God's given them authority over this church in that particular area. And by the way, this whole thing to do with church honor and church authority, there should be, the Bible talks about double reward for the men and women of God. It also talks about double judgment. So I will be judged according to even what I'm saying today. These are the verses that just wash over me and, and, and dig deep in my heart. And I have to weigh. And that's why I talk about when I'm dealing with young guys. I say, make sure you know the weight of your ministry. As in, what you're saying. Don't be random. Be spontaneous at times, but make sure that spontaneity doesn't take you to places that aren't even in the Bible. Can they hear an amen? Because we're responsible for what we say. But we can't bear for others to be blessed and elevated more than we are. And Psalm 75 verse says this, this, says this, it is God who judges. He brings one down and he exalts another. So if you have a problem with that, go and talk to God. And lastly, well, it's not our culture. It's not our language. It's just not. Why are you even doing this series, Christian? We're British. This is what we do. Yeah, this has been the issue. Go back to, you know, the first week that I shared. You know, we're a mocking society. I love the banter, but I realize that my humor can actually pull down. I don't want to do that. The last three weeks, I've, been re- I've kept a very, very care- careful, um, uh, uh, like a padlock over my mouth. Don't want to go too far with it because we want to have some fun. But I also want to be careful that we don't enter into areas where it's dishonoring of one another. I don't have a right as the leader of this church to say what I want to whoever I want, how I want. I'm called to honor you. I'm called to honor you. And we say, well, this is counterculture. I don't like this. This is the language of America. This is the language of Africa. They, they, they do all that. You know, justice and that. This is how they live their life. And by the way, they do live their life like this. They do live. But this is not the language of Uganda. This is the language of the kingdom. This is the language of the kingdom. What we're laying in over these last four weeks has been a language of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is about honor. Honor in. Honouring to one another. It's not about a particular race or a particular culture. And we really need to find freedom in this area. While I talk about find freedom, I want to, again, on the back of what Nathan said, encourage you to come into growth track. We want people to know God. If you don't know God, you need to get on growth track. And secondly, this week, this, this today, straight after service, we're going to be talking about finding freedom. And some of those areas, we're not going to delve into the freedom side of things, how you can pray in fear and whatever, but we are going to help you to just connect with some tools that are going to help you to find freedom. I'd encourage you to come. So we see there what we should honor and the reasons why we don't honor. And in this last part, what I want to talk about is just, talk, is just really trying now lay in of saying, okay, we've dealt with that. We've dealt with this. So how can I build now Christian into my life because that's what I want to know how can I build this well I want to take a king a well-known king in the bible by the name of David even those people who are not new to ch- uh, sorry new to church will probably recognize him I guess maybe because he's the man who slayed the big Goliath uh, big giant Goliath David and Goliath and David became the king he had massive imperfections He had a problem with a beautiful woman that was on News at 10 in Israel. 
He didn't bring discipline to his children when it was needed, so it resulted in infighting, jockeying for position and chaos. You have to read the Bible to see it. In many areas, he was very flawed, but the Bible records him as a man after God's own heart. But there was one significant area that I look at. There's many significant areas as I look at the character of David, but there's one that I think has really stood out to me as I've been looking at this is in the area of his honour. You see, the previous king who he served with distinction by the name of Saul became very insecure. Well, he didn't become insecure. He was insecure and he never dealt with his insecurities. And he had a jealousy problem and he had an anger problem and he never dealt with his jealousy problems and his anger problems. And so what happened was that Saul was okay while everybody was honouring him and worshipping him and you know, exalting this king. But what happened was David fought Goliath, took the prize champion of another nation down. And the women began to sing a song. They sang this song, Saul has slain his thousands. And Saul was loving this, I've slain thousands. But then the second verse was, but David has slain tens of thousands and the Bible records, there's an old-fashioned word here. I might introduce it because I think it's a get-down kind of word. <laughs> Got to have a bit of humor on you. It's a get-down. You want to be on the street? I'll give you a word. This is the word it said. Saul had wrath in his heart. Anybody know what wrath means? Anger. Deep anger. It's not just anger. It was deep in the pit. Anybody ever experienced that? Oh, down. I mean, I'm talking, Linda, right down here. There was wrath. And it started the journey of Saul wanting to kill this boy who had served him with distinction. Just a few side notes here. Saul had created a culture amongst his men of insecurity and fear, so his men feared him. Is a leadership principle. But David had built a culture of security so his men loved him. Have you got that? David honoured King Saul throughout his life. Even to the point that he could have killed him. He had the opportunity to kill him but he said, I will not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. Why? Because he was God's ordained authority. He honoured him. He honoured him. And as a result of that, honour flowed from David's men to himself throughout his kingship. I want to read some Bible verses from 1 Chronicles, sorry, 1 Chronicles 11, verse 10 through to 20. But I'm going to read from verse 17 for those who've got the notes. And I find a most beautiful story. And then I'm going to quickly just race through five things that I see from this story. I see that need to happen if we're going to build a a culture of honour, and I pray that the Lord will really help us with these. And this is what it, what it is. It says, David remarked longingly, verse 17, to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. This was his hometown. It was where he, wanted, it was where he grew up. So it's like equivalent to you know, where you've grown up and you're just familiar with it, and you might have come away from it, and you just long to go back to it on occasions. This is how he was feeling. He couldn't get back in because there was war breaking out. 
And uh, then verse 18, it says this. So the three, the three are David's fighting men. I'll come to these in a moment. They broke through the Philistines' lines. So they broke through enemy lines, the army lines, and they drew him some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. And they brought it back to David. But David refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. You see David's honor here. He had many, many issues, but I'm telling you, that wasn't one of them. He honored God. He honored God. And he honored his men. He says, God forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. Then it uses this line. These are the examples of the exploits of the three. One version says, this is the kind of thing they did all of the time. We see here three warriors, three champions, and you'll have to read them for yourself in 1 Chronicles 11. It actually lists some of their exploits. It's remarkable. I mean, these were fighting men. These were champions. These were gladiators. These were capable. They were gifted. They were incredible Incredible stories. They were champions. They were superstars in their own rights. But here's the point that I noticed. They knew they would accomplish more submitted to David than on their own. I would see that around the life of this church. There's many people who I see who I just think are incredibly gifted in so many areas. Way more gifted than me. Cleverer, smarter, sharper than me. And yet they commit themselves to the journey of being part of the leadership here and I'm forever indebted to you and grateful to you because they realize as these people realize that actually they could accomplish accomplish more together than they could on their own these men could have been more gifted stronger more capable but they knew blessings flowed when they were connected to God's designated authority they lived with honor towards David because David honored them. There's five things that they express their honor to David. First of all, they served. If you want to know how to build a culture of honor, it starts with serving. I'm very grateful to this church for being a great church that serves. We see the story here. He was the king. And all he was doing was talking out loud. He wasn't saying, go and get me some water. What he was basically saying is, oh, I long for that. You've all spoke out loud, haven't you? You've all said things out loud. But these three men heard it. And they thought, this is our opportunity to serve him. And through a serving him, we'll honor him. Notice how there was a story in the Bible in John 13. was a beautiful story of honor that Jesus, again, exemplifies this policy and procedure and value of creating honor and serving because we read in John 13 verse 12 and 15 12 to 15 Jesus, Jesus washes his disciples smelly feet he says when he's washing their feet put on his clothes and return to his place and he said he said you understand why I'm for you you call me teacher and lord and rightly so but this is what I am now that I your lord and teacher have washed your feet you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. How do we build a culture of honor? Firstly, by serving. We express honor 
through heartfelt service. Secondly, we see that these men love David. They love David. David was thinking out loud. Yet they risked their lives out of love. This is not some manipulative comment that David made. This was just his musings. This was not controlling. It was heartfelt. And we see again that Jesus nails this point of love. When he reads again in John 13 verse 34 to 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. David had built a culture amongst his men of love. Jesus built a culture of love amongst his men. And I want to tell you, if we want to build a culture of honor, we need to love one another deeply from our hearts. We express honor through authentic Love. We express honour through authentic love. I hope you're just getting these just one-liners. Because they dig very deep in my heart. Thirdly, he exercised. I'm not talking about the exercise of what many of us do. Going to gyms and all the rest of it. Julie actually doesn't need to go to the gym. She just bounces around on this platform. If anybody's ever seen her. I'm talking about the exercising Of this being a daily practice. If we want to build a culture of honour. We have to intentionally get up each day. And this is how it will be for many of us. And say who do I need to honour today? How can I honour them? In our relationships with our husbands and our wives. Let me use this for a moment as an example. We often can take them for granted. Wives not making an effort of themselves. Men going to bed without showering. Oh, that got a, I got a bit of a reaction. Jesus, my God. Oh, no vocalizing of love. No, I love you. No notes, no nothing. Just taking things for granted. Not saying please, not saying thank you. If it's in your house that the wife tends to do a lot of the cooking, because I don't want to be sexist at all, but if that's the case, how about saying thank you? How about if the man is doing a lot of DIY and whatever, how about saying thank you? Exercising just the whole honour of one another. And some of you have wrote here, it may feel creepy, it may feel unnatural, because many of you, many of us have not experienced this, not been brought up in it, you've not seen it. And so you say, well, I don't want to go with it. I want to tell you, if we want to practice a culture of honour in this church that will unlock significant kingdom blessings to us, we better start exercising it day by day. So we better start saying thank you to those who serve us. Thank you for the ministry. Thank you for the, uh, the worship. Thank you for those who serve in the community. Thank you for those in the kids. Are you getting it, guys? All across the life of this church, thank you for what you do. It's great to see you. An encouragement that comes from our lives. And while I think about that, I just thought it would be a good thing for me to do. There's three people that I just want to say thank you to. There's many people who serve, but all these three people are behind the scenes kind of people. And they all do incredible. I don't know whether they're all here. I see one of them. I want to say Steve Bridges. I want to say Lynn Meadowcroft. Is Lynn here? Lynn's not here. John Duke. Is John here? John's here. Guys, Steve. 
John, would you just come forward just for a moment, please? Let's show our appreciation to them as they come. Just two. Give me two. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are awesome. There's some chocolates. That's for you. You can share it with your boys. Steve, that's for you. You can share it with your mum and dad, okay? But I would just want to say, these guys, I know there's many of you, they just serve behind the scenes. Nobody knows anything that's going on. They just get on with it. And we honour you today in Jesus' name. Amen? So why don't we show appreciation to you. Go and take your seats. Okay. All right. It is a bit unfair, actually, that it's just so... What we've done at the end, we've got chocolate for everybody. Yorkies, Arrows, Twixers, Mars bars. Are we all happy about that? If you're on Slimming World, just give it a little bit of a moment. Just push to one side. Just, but we just want to honour each and every one of you. Is that OK? Because we all think you're awesome. Why don't we just show our appreciation to all of you guys? OK. Let's get into this quickly, because my time's gone. Okay, we express honour through our daily practices. Have you got it? Daily, daily, daily in the workplace, in the church, in the home, in wherever we are. Fourthly, they preferred. They preferred. They could have thought to themselves, huh, he wants some water. I'll give him water. I want a bed. I want a shower. I want some food. Have you ever heard yourself speak like that? These men preferred David. They preferred him. They said, if you want some water, we're going to go and get you some water. And have you thought in that day and age, they didn't have Tupperware? Have you thought about that? How did they carry it? They didn't have Tupperware or... But they carried this water. You see, they understood the principle of preferring. I'd love to delve into each of one of those, but just watch this. Romans 12 verse 10, it says this, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. I want everybody to say that word now. In honour. We'll read that from the top, okay? Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honour, giving preference to one another. Have you got it? In honour, giving preference to one another. Here's what the, uh, a, a paraphrase of that would be for me. In other words, let us have real warm affection, affection for one another as between brothers and a willingness to let the other man have the credit. Preference oftentimes means that somebody else gets the credit. I do need to say this. It's not a boast. There's been many times that... Other guys around the team, have, there's been an idea or whatever, and it goes straight to them, and they get the, the credit. And I could be tempted to think, well, that, that was my idea. That was my thought. I just want to tell you, I've really walked through this. I'm not bothered who gets the credit. I really don't. I would rather prefer to Lisa. I'd rather prefer to Julie. I'd rather prefer to the elders. Honestly. I love it when the guys come back, when I come back and they say, oh, Nathan was brilliant this morning. Josh preached up a storm. Pete and Kev just led it brilliantly. We're going to have it with Stephen. Stephen, oh, we never even knew you were our pastor, Christian. It's long gone. He's our pastor at Mansa. <laughs> Comes out of death. But I want to prefer others. Debbie, we prefer you. You know, Debbie's on with all that she's doing in the houses. She's there and... And I know this is running down the team now. Lisa's doing it all the time, practicing this. 
We don't want to be glory hoggers. Lastly, praised. Guys, come and join me on the platform. We see that these men, they served, they loved, they exercised, they preferred. And they praised. These men were forever just honoring David with their lives. We see all these principles running through Jesus' life. Jesus Jesus honored you. God honored you. The Father honored you by sending Jesus into the world for you. You see, this whole area of praise doesn't come comfortably to us because we're British. But he was their leader with these men. He was their leader and he was their king and they sought to bring praise to the king's name. By the way, I'm not laying this in that you start singing a song as I walk in the door. <laughs> it's about him. Yeah. But there is an honour. Yes. I'm talking about a praise, an encouragement that resounds from one to another. This is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11. So speak encouraging words to one another. this just keep on doing it that was the thing that grabbed me because we do do this in this church but let's keep on doing this what is this encouraging one another praising one another blessing one another speaking well of one another if i can say this bigging one another up bigging one another not taking the credit to ourselves these are some of the things that i really believe will help us to build a culture of honour in these closing moments Jesus gave everything the Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and I'm delighted that there's new people here it may be that you're already a, a Christian, you're loving Jesus you're just on a journey to find a church or it may be that you're here today and your, your life has sort of drifted from one thing to another you've drifted away from Jesus or it could be you're here today and Actually, you don't know much about church, much about Jesus. But all I do want to say to you is, I want to tell you, God just so loves you. Yes, amen. He honors you. You are chosen by Him. And how we can express honor back to Him is by literally bowing our knee, surrendering our hearts, giving everything to Him. This will cost you everything. This will cost you everything. But I'm telling you, if you will enter into this kind of life with Jesus and give him your all, there's blessings that will flow to you will be incredible. I wonder if we just bow our heads for a moment. You're here today and you say, Christian, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to serve him. I want to love, love him. I want to know him. And while every eye is closed and head is bowed, I wonder if you just boldly lift your hand high. If there are people here who need to respond to Jesus today that's you thank you thank you is there anybody else today I don't know whether you put your hand up before I really don't it's difficult with the lights but is there anybody else today there's two people who've said yes want to commit my life to Jesus thank you is there anybody else today thank you thank you